Welcome to the Equip and Ignite podcast, powered by Bill Glass Ministries. Since 1969, God has used Bill Glass Ministries to impact people from all walks of life with the gospel. Whether through evangelism training, at a citywide crusade or prison evangelism event, or just in daily life, God has connected so many people together through this ministry and the power of the good news. While just a scratch of the surface, these are some of those stories. After listening to each episode, we hope you feel encouraged, equipped, and ignited. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Equip and Ignite podcast powered by Bill Glass Ministries. I'm Kit Van Arsdale. Today, we have one of the new guys in the breaking and blowing things up department of our platform guests. Andy Gavin has been with us since uh, 2016, if I remember correctly. Yep. And um, he is up in the Milwaukee area where I'm sure it's cold right now. Is it cold up there? Cold and snowy. Cold and snowy. Well, down here it's wet and can kind of kind of cold. Not really. Mm. Well, what's kind what's kind of cold though? Well, oh yeah, okay. It's shorts weather for you, Andy. Yeah, exactly. Shorts weather down here in Texas. We got the sprinklers out. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, hey, welcome to the welcome to the podcast, Andy. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for having me, man. I was so excited when I got that message. So oh, cool, man. So Andy, Ga- who's Andy Gavin? Tell us about Andy Gavin. Man, he is a he's a character. That's for sure. Yeah, wow, yeah, but, uh, we know that. <laughs> and, no, as you mentioned, uh, you know, born and raised here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So uh, I always say that that means a few things. Yes, I'm a cheesehead. Uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, love love the you know my Packers, my Brewers, and my my Bucks. Uh, you know, all the sports and. Um, so grew up here, great family. My parents have been married uh, for over 40 years wow. and we grew up in church. Uh, my mom was the head of Sunday school. Uh, started out in, in a big Lutheran church on the other side of town. My, my dad was raised Catholic. My mom was raised Lutheran. So they got married in the Lutheran church. Okay. <laughs> you see how that works. All right. mom, mom has the way. And so probably almost the first decade of my life, we, we were in the Lutheran church and man, we were there every time the church doors were open. I've been there. So from, from early on, that was just something that was instilled in our family. And so I'm the oldest of four kids. We had a big, big tribe, you know, going to church a couple times a week and being there most of the day on Sunday because of what mom was involved in and, you know, so dad was working full time, sometimes working two or three jobs just mm-hmm. to make sure we were making it. He worked for Briggs and Stratton. And so that was just it was a foundation in our family, um, just having a relationship with the Lord. And, and so for me, uh, I just remember one specific moment. I, I was nine years old. I don't remember the date, but I was about nine years old because it was the timing of it of just before we changed churches. But just one of those Sundays where even though I'd been in church thousands of times, even though I'd heard the gospel hundreds of times, I knew stories in the Bible, helped out in Sunday school, there was that moment where I had to make it for me. It wasn't just riding mom and dad's coattails, um, just going to church doesn't make you Christian, that kind of stuff. And I remember that day just thinking, even though there's probably a couple hundred people in that church service, it felt like it was just me and the pastor. That was it. You know, it was like everything else was just tuned out. And I'm like, man, okay. I'm like, I, you know, I got to give my life to Christ. I want, I need to be forgiven. I need to be set free. And, uh, you know, I was nine years old. And you think at that time, 
did you really know? Did you understand? Uh, well, I could tell you, I know that I had lied. I had cheated. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I tell the story in the prison sometimes uh, how, how terrible of a crook I was, you know, about four years old and stole a pack of baseball cards from Walgreens. What? You know? And uh, and and th- this is how bad I was at. I got home, opened it up, and I had a Milwaukee Brewer in there. And I got so excited, I ran out and told my parents that hey, I got a Brewer. And they're like, "Well, where did where did you get those cards from? <laughs> we we didn't buy them." And I I busted myself and had to go back to the Walgreens and stand before the manager, at four years old, and tell them what I did. And you know, those are memories that never leave you. <laughs> but uh, you know, so it, it wasn't hard. Even at nine years old, it was not hard to understand that I had disobeyed my parents, I had screwed up and yeah, sure. So maybe I didn't do any crazy things or, you know, it wasn't drugs or any of that stuff, but it still doesn't matter. Sin is sin, you know, and um, any sin separates you from God. And so I understood that at nine and made that profession of faith. But at that point, I still didn't, still learning, you know, still, still knowing it was one thing to know that you could, you could be saved but it's also another thing to know that you can actually live for God and there's a relationship part. And so a lot of that happened. We ended up changing churches just about a year later after this happened, just because of some things that were going on in that particular synod in the branch of the Lutheran church where they were starting to do some things. My dad's like, Whoa, this is not lined up biblically that I can't have my family here. And, um, he went out one summer that was his, his goal was, okay, Lord, where, where do you want me to plant my family and went to several different churches and found one. We've been there ever since. And now I'm raising my kids in that church, but the youth group, there was a youth group, um, for that church. And at, I think it was 13, I think it was sixth grade or seventh grade. You got to join the, the youth group. So just a couple years later, and then I'm like, man, you can live for God. Like there's so much more to it than just going to church, you know, or going to a Bible study every now and then it's like every single day you can walk with the Lord and you can live with them. And I was seeing other teenagers that were living this out and still, you know, have struggles and being a teenager sucks sometimes, you know, it's not fun, but to, to know that you have other ones there and, and this youth group was so instrumental uh, in my just really growing deeper in a relationship with the Lord. And uh, the cool thing about that, my youth pastor at that time is now my senior pastor that I, you know, I'm accountable to. He looks over my ministry and you know, those kinds of things. It's just been an amazing relationship. Um, but that's where it really started to take off for me, where I knew, hey, you know, this is this is a big deal. This isn't just a Sunday morning thing. This is a lifestyle thing. Yeah. And um, so with that, growing up in that, only things I wanted to do was play sports and, and do church stuff, you know. And so baseball for me was a gift that you know, I, I was pretty good at baseball compared to maybe some of my other peers. And my dream was I wanted to do something big for God. You know, he didn't ask you to do anything big for him, but I thought, man, I, I want to do something big for God. And so I thought, man, if I could be a professional baseball player, hmm. that would give me a platform that I could share the gospel with people all over the world. That, you know, I could be on Sports Center baseball tonight. Hey, you hit the game winning home run. Well, uh, you know, it's all my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I had it all planned out. <laughs> it was all planned out. I had it all to a T. And, uh, you know, so growing up, my dad, mom always taught us you work hard. And you make good choices. Your work will show for itself. You'll get raised up. 
you know, and, and that's you do. You put your nose to the grindstone and I worked my rear end off. I wanted to be the best baseball player I could be. Get to high school, starting my freshman year on the varsity. Everybody else is juniors and seniors. Here's this little kid coming in. Who's this guy? You know, pitching, all kinds of stuff, thinking, man, I'm really, I'm going to make this dream come true. And as the years pass of high school, you know, newspaper articles and all conference, all area, all state stuff, traveling, playing baseball. I'm, I'm like, hey, this this is really gonna happen. Keep doing it, you know. And stayed out of trouble. I never never did drugs. I never did alcohol. Uh, didn't sleep around. I didn't do any of those things. Um, definitely moments where <laughs> wanted to, but uh, I'm, I'm obviously mostly my faith, the foundation of, of having that faith and knowing, man, that's not what God has for me, but also comparing that to wanting to be a pro athlete. And if I do those things, is that going to take away from my chances? Just kept pushing me to, to get through high school. And I, I thought, hey, this is it. But I never got drafted, never got a phone call. I did two tryouts, one for the Texas Rangers, one for the Cincinnati Reds. And they both told me, hey, thanks for coming, but uh, you're not really what we're looking for. You know, uh, yeah. sorry. And I still wouldn't give up. I, I played a year in the semi-pro baseball league here in Milwaukee, just trying to hold on to that dream. And about halfway through that season, just realizing that uh, seeing kind of the business side of it and the politics side of the game, and it just wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't that, you know, childhood dream and and, and pastime anymore. And I realized that, hey, this, this was it, man. This was the end of this dream. And being frustrated with God, hmm. uh, almost at a point of being angry and saying, you know, why, why wouldn't you let this happen? I had a great plan, God. I, I you know, I had it all planned out. I was going to do this for you, God, you know, sure. <laughs> yeah. He might've got sprinkled in there, I'm sure. But, you know, obviously I'm doing it for me, but that was my mindset. And, um, you know, I'm like, well, you know, what, what am I going to do next? What, what, I have no idea. All my eggs were in this basket and, everybody from my generation, they said, you got to go to college. You know, you got to get a degree. Well, the only thing I want to do is sports or church. So it was either going to Bible school, which unfortunately at the time up here in Milwaukee, uh, yeah, Moody was in Chicago, but we, other than that, we didn't have much, you know, there's one in Minneapolis, not much for options. Sure. So I said, well, I want to do sports management. If, if I can't be a pro athlete, I want to be in the front office be a general manager you know, pick talent, do those types of things. And I started going to college for sports management, worked full-time, went to school full-time, which I don't advise anybody to try to do that. That stinks. But by the grace of God, it took me five years, but I was able to get through and got, got the bachelor's degree and thought, okay, now that this is great. This is what's going to happen now. You know, I'll get a job with a team and work my way up the ranks. And all of a sudden uh, a team called the strength team it was a Christian ministry of athletes guys that were former football players Clarence Lee one of the guys that travels with uh, Bill Glass as well at the time uh, these guys you know were traveling around with my they brought it to my pastor got a hold of the packet somehow information packet another pastor gave it to him said man if you want to do some outreach this is what you got to do right here so he brings me in his office says man why don't you look through this so I look through all this pack because nothing was online back then this is all just papers and papers and Thought it was a great idea, but I thought there's no way this is going to work. And there's no way that people will come out to see this. Went back to him, said, man, I think it's a great ministry. I think it's a great thing. I'd go see him if they were here. But if 
for our church, I don't think we should do it. Well, that's why he's the senior pastor, and I wasn't. <laughs> because he said, well, I don't care if you don't want to do it. We're going to do it anyway because it's outreach, and we need to try to reach people with the gospel. He's like, and so, hey, you just got your degree in sports management. This should be up your alley. I want you to run with this ministry, you know, and get it prepped for us. And you had to find schools for them to speak in schools. You had to find hotels for them to stay in and food and get people to sponsor and donate meals and travel, all kinds of stuff. And um, so I said, okay, we did this. And, and I had just, like I said, just finished college. I was trying to get a, a career. And so the place that I was working at was just a food distribution warehouse. They were moving. So it was, it was going to be farther away from home. And they gave me a severance package of, of I think, four or five weeks because I had turned down the offer that they gave me to, to move to this other location, which then I said, okay, I'll use this. I'm getting paid severance. I'm going to use this like I'm working for them leading up to this event. Cool. Then after the event, I'll find a headhunter to get me a nice job, be good to go. And so that's what I did. The event comes. We did it in a tent outside in our parking lot because we didn't think we were going to have enough room for people inside our building and uh, watch these guys come. Clarence and, and Mike Hagen, who was the, the founder of that ministry, come. These guys broke bricks and blew up hot water bottles and told people about Jesus. Hmm. And I thought, man, this is it's sports and church combined. You yeah. know, like this is amazing. Like, I love it. But I was a baseball player. I wasn't really a big guy. And I'm still only, you know, five, nine, you know, it wasn't one of these six foot three guys and four guys. And, you know, but I was athletic, but I wasn't bench pressing, you know, four or 500 pounds like these guys doing any of that and taking them back to the airport on Monday and the president of ministry, he said, you know, I'd love for you to pray about being a part of our ministry. I've already talked to your pastor. I kind of did that on the slide, make sure you were legit and you, you know, <laughs> you were doing ministry at home. Cause it's like, I'm not going to have you do ministry national. If you're not even participating in your own home church, if you're, you're not tithing, if you're not doing some of those things, then man, I, I don't know that we can really use you if you're not faithful in those little things. And I said, no, I get it. And, um, wanted me to go to, uh, not Nicaragua to Honduras with them. They were going on a trip in six weeks. This was the, the beginning of May. They were going in June. I have no passport. Hmm. So I drop them off at the airport and I'm driving back home. And I just thought, you know, it can't hurt to have a passport. If it doesn't come, they're good for a long time. No, who, you know, just do it. So I go to Walgreens, get my picture taken, go to the post office, fill it all out, hand it in, pay the money. And I even asked the guy when I hand it in and say, hey, there's a chance that in about five, five weeks, six weeks, I'm going to be going out of the country do you think this will get back in time and to this day i remember this like he chuckled he's like oh it doesn't it doesn't work that fast i'm sorry he's like, okay and i remember walking out of that post office and i just said okay god that's a closed door you you don't want me to do that that's right. fine how long did it take two and a half weeks <laughs> two and a half weeks it was in the mailbox and i'm like are you kidding me i'm like what in the world i'm like Okay, God, I had an interview the next day, and, and so I'm still dragging my feet. I'm like, if I don't get offered a job that I can't pass up, okay, God, I'll, I'll take all the money in the account. I'll go buy this ticket. I'll go down there and do it. Sure enough, that's what happened. Went down. It was my first missions trip, even though I grew up in church. First time, um, not first time out of the country, but first time on a real missions trip. And uh, my job was just to help set up, carry bags. You know, I, I was a road manager, basically, you know, 
and we we rented out a, a basketball stadium in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, with buses of people in to watch these guys. The the event we did in Milwaukee, we saw 226 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. Mm. I had been in church my whole life. I probably hadn't seen 226 people yep. give their lives to Christ. Same. That Same here. So now we fast forward, you know, six weeks. Now I'm in another country with this team, and we're seeing thousands of people come forward every night. And and it, so you're talking in a six week period, like God has just blown my socks off, you know, and I've been in church my whole life. I've been in that culture my whole life, but this is like nothing I've ever seen before. It, it exploded my mind, you know, like this is it. This could be. And at the time they had no full-time positions, you know, but he said, go back home, find a job. And in the fall, hopefully we can use you on a week to, you know, week to week basis when we need it. That fall, I went and did three weeks, um, with them just being a road manager, folding t-shirts, boring as can be, pressing play on a CD player. Yep. I did some announcing for them in the schools, but I wasn't on stage. I didn't. But when they went to the gym, I went to the gym. Ah. Now I'm working out with guys like Clarence Lee, who has yeah. 600 pound bench press, and Dave Denizo, some of these guys who are strong men and all kinds of stuff. And so I'm like, hey, I'm going to get working out there too. And, mm. and we were in Alaska. I was with Clarence and on the way to a school, one of the guys got sick, couldn't do it. So Clarence was like, this is it, big guy. You got you to help me out. You got to step in. So I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. You know, and I, I think I had to bend a steel bar and had to do something else. I don't remember. But those guys just kept advocating for me. You know, mm-hmm. hey, man, you got to give him a shot. And finally, it came down to a Saturday morning. We were all going to the gym. We were in Wichita, Kansas. And the president of ministry say, me and you, we're having a bench contest. I don't want to have a bench contest with you. This guy won the Montana State bench press competition. He's going to kick my butt. You know, granted that was some years ago for him, but I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to compete. It's not about that. I just, you know, nope. Come on, we're doing it. Well, I beat him. I beat him that day. Now, granted, he was old, older at that point, but still beat him. And after that, it's like, oh, he can, he can do this. And it's slowly they'd let me come up on stage, and uh, you know, do some of the feats. But then I still had to do all you know the behind the scenes stuff and take care of the offerings and the financials and so I was carrying all this load for a while and it slowly but surely got to a point where then I was leading crusades and preaching the gospel and being the one responsible to share the gospel and do the altar call and and lead mission teams to, to Haiti like uh, kind of up there on the wall there's a big uh, certificate that I had that's one of the great all-time trips. Me and the guy Smiley Elmore went down there for a week to Haiti and just saw thousands of people come to Christ. And just a, you know, just awesome thing. Through that, I've met William Green, another platform guest for, for Bill Glass. I knew Clarence, you know, and then you get to meet some of the the all-time greats, the Keith Davises, the James Hendersons, the guys that started on the power team years ago that were contemporaries of Mike Hagan, my boss, and now I hear him bragging about these guys for years. I still remember the first time I met Keith Davis on a Bill Glass event. It was the first event I ever did. And I was like, man, let me just tell you, I've heard about you for the last 15 years That's funny. because Mike Hagan just brags about you like there's nobody else in the world. And so it was cool to finally meet some of these guys. And now I, I know Keith and we've hung out and he's he's imparted things to me and helped mentor me at different times and it's just really cool how that feats of strength ministry is it's kind of like a little family. There's only a small amount of people that do some of those things, whether they're you know dumb enough to do them or just crazy enough to do them. 
yeah. I might be, I might be both. I don't know, but um, you know, there's just that bond of doing these things that capture somebody's attention, sure. so you can get a message to their heart. Yeah. So, how did you get plugged in with Bill Glass? With Bill Glass, I owe it all to Gerald Hartnett. I met Gerald through kind of Clarence Williams, some of these guys. We were speaking schools for him in Indiana, and it was coming up to the Waukegan Day of Champions, and they were short a platform guest. And Gerald was one of the coordinators, and he just said, don't worry, I got it handled. I got somebody coming. He's going to do it. Don't worry. And so I went in there, and it was a long day. There was like six or seven pods, I think. So I blew up six or seven hot water bottles. My face was all all swollen, smacked up from getting hit, but just loved it. You know, loved every bit of it to be able to go pod to pod and, and just share the gospel. And what really was the selling point for me was really the motto and the motivation behind Bill Glass is equipping the saints because I'm an ordained evangelist through my church. That's our job. The fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Whereas so many people in the Christian culture get it twisted and think, well, we got a pastor on staff. It's his job to go, you know, bring people in or to go share the gospel. Or we have this evangelist that we bring in once a year that it's his job to bring people in. Man, it's all of our job. If you're a follower of Christ, you are called to share the gospel. And and that's what I, the biggest thing when I saw that about Bill Glass, I'm like, this is what they're doing. Yeah, we're going to the to the jails and the prisons to share the gospel, but really we're training. You know, we're training people that they can take this same track, they can take this same method, and the confidence that comes along with it. That's right. To apply it to the office, you know, the neighborhood, the the kids, you know, football, the soccer games, whatever it may be, your family. And it's like, once I saw that, I'm like, that, that's it. That is a biblical model of what it's supposed to be. I want to do whatever I can to help support that, that ministry. And uh, so that, that was the selling point. I didn't even get to beat Bill Glass for like the first, I don't know. I probably was with you guys for two or three years before I finally got to meet really? him. Obviously. I mean, you gotta, first you gotta be in the Texas event, which, which that's wasn't true. happening initially. Cause I think the first year I did one event. The whole year, that was like in May, and that was it. I never got a phone call back, and I'm like, man, I hope I didn't blow it. You know, like, well, you happened? can always just come as a teammate. You don't have to come as a platform well, guest. Right, but there wasn't – that was the only one was Joaquin. That was like the only one close. And uh, and then the next year in April or something was Cook County in Chicago, mm-hmm. and that was my next one that I did. And since then, now we have, we've gotten some events in Wisconsin, which uh, one right here in Milwaukee, the House of Corrections, where two, we've done two years in a row where I've had probably both my parents come and our teammates, my wife comes as a teammate um, and probably half a dozen or so, maybe more, maybe 10 people from my church come and our teammates. And man, that, that is something to be able to start it off as a platform guest, turn it over and know that my people from my church and even my family are there. Yep. And that's just a total another experience. So just good. So awesome. good. Yeah. Yeah. But, one, uh, of the, one of the things that, that it's, has always hit me and you're, and you're confirming that is, man, when, when you come on a Bill Glass event, uh, if you don't see the Holy Spirit moving, you're not paying attention. Exactly. It's so easy when you get a group of people together, all the same mindset, one accord mm-hmm. for that same purpose. You know, and people say, man, you know, well, I don't know about, go- I've had people in my own church say, well, I don't know about going into jail or, you know, this and that. Like, man, frankly, sometimes you're safer in there than you are. Uh, that is exactly <laughs> right. Preach. Uh, 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 here. 
But, uh, you know, it's like once you do it one time, I, yeah, there is something about it. That first time those big doors, you know, the big gate shuts behind you or something. You're a little like, uh, all right. But, hey, God's in it, you know, and, and, you know, you're just there for that reason, that mission. And everybody's there for that same purpose is to share the gospel. Yeah. And uh, you can look all through scripture. Anytime the disciples were, were most successful is when they were all in one accord, you know, and it's like you got different backgrounds, different church memberships all across the country people from all over that come together but it's that one purpose to share the gospel and that's why it's successful yeah so are there any events that that stuck out to you any experiences you've had that you know man always some interesting things that happen you know and some of the i remember one of the first times going it wasn't in the waukegan event but this was just uh, maybe two years ago there was an event where you walk in and you're in pods and you know, you're doing your thing, speaking, and guys just get up and go to the bathroom. You know, right there when when you're in the middle yeah, of there's, there's no doors. There are no yeah, doors. and and you're just like, oh. Oh, all right, all right. I had one where I the guy just kept flushing the toilet, and I, after about the the sixth or seventh time, I realized he was doing it on purpose. Yeah. So I just messed with him afterwards. I turned around, I was like, man, you're the one. You were having trouble over here. You okay? You need some medicine for your stomach? Like, you know, just messed with him a little bit. And uh, and uh, he kind of chuckled. And, uh, and that's the way you got to be. You know, it, it, people get a little concerned. They think, oh, you know, these people, I don't know. Man, they're just people. You that's know what I mean? They're people just like we are. And, and so some funny things like that. But probably one of the most memorable for me was it was in Texas. I believe it was a Huntsville event. And it was women's pods. And it was one of the first times that I got picked to go into the women's because normally I just was, they, they kept putting me in the men's, which is fine. I don't care. I'll go wherever. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but I was a little nervous with the women's pods because I was just like, man, I, I don't know. Normally when I tell my story, I talk about my dad and, and his accident right before I was born. And, you know, it's like a father son thing. And I'm thinking, you know, I remember talking to my wife, is this even going to make sense? You know, does this translate to women? Should I change things up? And she's like, you just got to be you. You know, you got to tell your story. And man, God used it. But what it did is, you know, I have a daughter. I have a son and a daughter. And um, so I was able to talk about my daughter a little bit and it opened a door. And afterwards, there was a little bit extra time. So they were like, well, does anybody have any questions? And there's probably only eight ladies in this pod, eight or ten. And one of the ladies says, yes, I have a question for you. She's like, you're, you're a minister. I heard what you said about God uses everything. And, and you know, sometimes you just got to read the Bible and late at night, you know, when it's tough in here, that's what we do. We read the Bible. She was like, but uh, I talked about playing Bible roulette where you just open up wherever and you just start reading and let the Holy yeah. spirit use it. She's like, well, one time I, I did that and it was a blank page. What does that mean? And I'm like, uh, okay, Lord, I need your help. <laughs> I was like, a blank page. What is this? Something? Well, I was like, do you have your Bible with you? And she's like, yeah, it's over here. All of a sudden, it's just like the break between Old Testament and New Testament. Um, I'm like, of course, there's a, there's probably a blank page there. And so I said, wait a minute. I said, you know, I started talking about it. I said, is this the break in between? She looked at me. She's like, yeah, actually it is. And I said, well, you know what? I said, I just believe that God's trying to show you that this is a new season for you. This is something mm. that you're doing is new for you in your life. That your relationship with him, you you know, you're here because of what's happened in the old. And we, we, we got to pay the consequences, you know, the repercussions for our choices that happens. But I want you to know that the page is turning 
you know, and, and that it's a new season. Man, all these ladies start crying all over the place. I'm like, what did I do? What did I say? I'm like, hey, even some of the teammates, even the, some of the lady teammates are crying. And I'm like, oh, man, I blew it. I messed it up. I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, guys, you know, I'm not used to this, all this crying. Like, you know, the, the ladies, and but they're like, thank you so much. Oh, this is, you know, God used you, this and that. And I walk out of the pod and the, and I asked some of the, the lady teammates, I was like, was that okay? Did I mess up? She's like, oh, it was wonderful. It was so great. <laughs> like, okay, I got to get used to this this uh, emotional uh, stuff yes, here. Yeah. I've been married a long time, but but uh, not quite used to that um, uh, emotional stuff in, in the ladies' pods. But it it's one of the most memorable times just to see that it doesn't matter. God uses it. If you're willing and and you go with the intent of sharing the gospel, God will use you. That's right. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. That's that's probably my favorite. And that one will probably be hard to top. Okay. So. That's cool. All right. <laughs> so you you have your own ministry that you do what you do in the in the in the prisons, but you, you do it on your own, do schools and things like that. What's the name of your ministry and how can people get a hold of you? So I uh, I started Elevate Ministries uh back in 20, 2015-ish. After I got ordained as an evangelist, I thought, what can I do? Build build some kind of legacy. And my whole purpose with Elevate Ministries is, is partnering with other churches or ministries to help share the gospel. Uh, obviously, Bill Glass is a perfect fit for that because it, it accomplishes two things for me. Is is told you that fivefold ministry is big for me where it's equipping the saints. Um, that's one thing where I feel like strength team and power team, they had a different avenue. It was a different goal for them. For me, I'm okay with using the feats of strength, and I'd love to use those because it's an end. But my real purpose, my real goal is to equip the saints so that they can replicate that and they can share the gospel. And that's really the heart of Elevate is finding ways to teach, finding ways to go along with. Um, you know, I've, I've gone with a few churches on some of their mission trips overseas to help uh, some youth groups and things to help teach them how to share, even going door to door or in the marketplace, whatever it may be. Um, so with Bill Glass, also do school assemblies, motivational school assemblies, a couple different groups. Omega Man and Friends is one of them, which is technically a secular school assembly. It's motivation. It's anti-bullying. But uh, the guy who started that is is a believer. Uh, and the whole mind, the concept of Omega Man, you know, doesn't take much to look into it and see there's a evil character and a good character and, you know, but it's a way to go into a public school where you can't share the gospel, sure. but still get a positive message across and encourage them. And so we use the feats of strength just like that to, you know, get their attention. And so motivational school assemblies, private school assemblies, which then you can share the gospel. Um, many men's events upwards. I was doing a lot of upwards awards programs for them for, for years, a lot of places around here. Um, so just kind of whatever door that, that can open yeah. any opportunity to get the gospel. in, that's what, that's what elevate is about. And then something that my dream is as a family to be able to minister. So um, how do people get you? How do people reach out? Uh, best way website, elevate hyphen ministries.com. Um, also on Facebook, social media, and try to encourage people, try to do things that, that, uh, you know, maybe spark some interest and, and, um, but definitely you'll see my bucks and uh, bucks packers and all that kind of stuff on there too. So a lot of those Texas people down there, you got to be ready for that. I'm just saying <laughs> all, my, all my friends in Texas for behind the walls. Listen, I, 
It's just it comes with the territory. I, I, I'm not going to get mad at you for being a cow. I mean, a Cowboys fan had to get it in there. The craziest thing is, is the best team in, in <laughs> Dallas right now is a hockey team. How does is that it? even happen? Stars. Yeah, there you go. Hey. Hey, we're coming off a Stanley Cup playoffs right there, man. Take what you got there. Well, hey, Andy, thanks for coming on with us. Um, I appreciate you being the uh, one non-football strong guy. I appreciate that. That's really great. And and also as a five foot nine guy. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for representing us. Representing us. You got to do it. You got to do it. That's right. Man, I look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon, hopefully. You too, buddy. Appreciate you. All right. Hey, if you uh, enjoyed this podcast, let us know. You can always get a hold of us at BehindTheWalls.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening in and hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Equip and Ignite podcast, powered by Bill Glass Ministries. We hope that you've been encouraged by another story of God working in an amazing way. Our desire is that you walk away from each and every episode empowered to allow the Holy Spirit to use you for His glory as you work out your faith every day. If you're interested in learning more, getting involved, or supporting Bill Glass Ministries, check out our website at BehindTheWalls.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Bill Glass Behind the Walls and Instagram at BGBTW. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Equip and Ignite podcast, powered by Bill Glass Ministries.